Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. We are on the June 12th episode, starting in Deuteronomy 10, Psalm 94, Isaiah 38. And we remain in those books. The end of the month. Yeah. Oh no, we get to start Joshua at the end of the month. Three more weeks. We're in just those books. Oh, Joshua will be great. I super love that your friend sent that Mm -hmm. Joshua one passage. That was really fun. Yeah. All right. Starting in Deuteronomy. Felt like there was a lot of Deuteronomy that was a repeat of Leviticus today. Mostly, I think, starting in chapter 12. This is Moses recapping anything, everything anyway, but it was a lot of similar stuff to when the law was given because he's just going over it all again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick out some highlights. I have in chapter 10, verses 14 through 18, it starts out, look around you. Everything you see is God's, the heavens above and beyond the earth and everything on it. But it was your ancestors who God fell in love with. He picked their children. That's you out of all the other people's. That's where we are right now. So cut away the thick calluses from your heart and stop being so willfully hard-headed. God, your God, is the God of all gods. He's the master of all masters. The God immense and powerful and awesome. He doesn't play favorites, takes no bribes, makes sure orphans and widows are treated fairly, takes loving care of foreigners by seeing that they get food and clothing. I know that it's because my eyes are seeing everything through that filter of justice, but I just see his justice everywhere in Isaiah, in Psalms, in Deuteronomy. So then again, in chapter 11, verses 10 through 12, one of the things I love is he says, the land you are entering to take up ownership isn't like Egypt, the land you left where you had to plant your own seed and water it yourselves as in a vegetable garden. But the land you are about to cross the river and take for your own is a land of mountains and valleys. It drinks water that rains from the sky. It's a land that God, your God, personally tends. He's mm-hmm. the gardener. He alone keeps his eye on it all year long. And it's, I love that. Yeah, thinking about that in terms of the idea that we're still... You know, Gad and Reuben taking up the battle of our brothers and sisters that, for this land that's still promised to us, this land of justice where God will reign and he'll tend the land. I don't know that I've ever longed for eternity like I have been lately, but with like a bitterness in my soul too, kind of this like, duh, burn it all. Just Why can't we just be done? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come back, Lord, set it all on fire and start again. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Not to jump ahead, yeah. but. Psalm 104 reminded me of that section in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. where I love Psalm 104 because it's giving God glory because of what he's made, which we've talked about before is really meaningful to me. But in verse 13 of Psalm 104, it says, he waters the mountains from his palace. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of your labor. Mm. It's the idea that God is, he's doing it. Yeah. 
Yes. Isaiah is filled with that idea that he does all the work. He He's in control mm-hmm. of all of it. He's control of the, drying up the lands and sending water. Mm-hmm. And the part you read in chapter 10, Deuteronomy about, um, Verse 15, the Lord had set his heart on your fathers and loved them. He chose their descendants after them. He chose you out of all the peoples as it is today. That kind of repeats in chapter 14, verse 2, you're a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples of the face of the earth. And we kind of talked about that a little bit in Galatians, how the Israelites were chosen because God chose them, not because they did anything to earn his favor in any way. It was purely... God's grace yes. on them. His grace, his promise. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Chapter 12, the end of chapter 12 stood out to me. He says, be careful that you don't. So he's talking about when they go into the land and they displace the people that are there. He says, be careful that you don't get curious about them after they've been destroyed before you don't get fascinated with their gods thinking, I wonder what it was like for them worshiping their gods. I like to try that myself. Don't do this to God, your God. They commit every imaginable abomination with their gods. God hates it all with a passion. Why they even set their children on fire as offerings to their God. That makes me think of how we are in Babylon. We are in a land, we're the minority and we're like mixed in with all of this like nonsense around us and like trying to be a set apart people. Like, I just see the need for unity. We have to come together. We have to do this together. We have to know who our enemy is. Mm-hmm. We need to know who our people are and who our enemy is, or mm-hmm. it gets all messy and mixed up and mm-hmm. tangled and unclear and muddy and trying to sort through the nonsense from the truth is a lot harder when you're mixed in with all the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that made me think of a passage in Isaiah, which made me think of Galatians again. So you said you have to know who your enemy is. Like that mm-hmm. I, the idea of the fact that we need to be aware and on guard. Isaiah 44, um, he's talking about when they're making idols. And it makes me think yes. in Galatians, when Paul calls them foolish Galatians. And we talked about how it was like this mindlessness that they're just not thinking about what they know. In Isaiah, they're making idols. And he's basically saying, okay, you're getting this piece of wood and you're burning it and you're making a fire and you're baking bread. And then you're taking the rest of the wood that you didn't burn and you're making a God out of it. And then you're worshiping it. Come on, people. This doesn't take a lot of thought figure out how unreasonable and how it made me think of that mindlessness. Mindlessness. Like, like you're not even thinking yes, about what you're doing. Completely getting caught up. This is not rocket science <laughs> that a piece of wood that I burn cannot save me from anything. Like a God, like yes. it just, there's this fine line. I think we have to be careful because we also, it's mindlessness when we're talking about believers getting caught back up. Otherwise it's blindness. Like they're two different things, Mm -hmm. but as believers, we have the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so we're not blind anymore. God has opened our eyes and yet we still have to be on guard and not mindless to get caught back Mm -hmm. up. And like what you were saying, like what we're surrounded with all the time. Yes. Even blindness in believers there, even as a believer, that's kind of my issue all along is that I feel like I've been blind. The scales are falling off my eyes, even just about my brothers and sisters in general. Right. I'm, I get, I I'm referring to like spiritual yeah, blindness, absolutely, spiritual mindlessness. I totally yeah. get what you're saying. 
get the blind and deaf out here and ready the blind though there's nothing wrong with their eyes and the deaf though there's nothing wrong with their ears then mm -hmm. get the other nations out here and ready let's see what they have to say about this like even god's people can be blind it's not the same like if you're an unbeliever you don't even have the spirit you don't have the capability right. of seeing it's not yeah, you have no eyes you have no ears right That's different yeah. than i have eyes and i have ears and i'm still blind and i'm still deaf sometimes well it's like we talked about last week the knowledge like once you know because i think well never mind that could end up being a big conversation but let's, uh, let's it. have it we'll move back i'll just i'm trying to sort through my thoughts right now too i guess what i'm trying to say is that blindness that you're talking about having eyes and not seeing it's not always intentional. It's never intentional. Right. Yeah. And so, so there's this, like, once you know, responsibility that comes with knowledge and even just the fact that as believers, we can ask the spirit to give us those eyes, to show us those things, whereas things that we might be blind to without knowing that we're blind to them. Yes. But before we don't have the spirit to open our eyes to that stuff. Yes. So there's, it's, total blindness. Yeah. No eyes to see, no ears to hear. Yeah. I think that's the gist of what it is. Yeah. I think that goes forward to stigalations, which is that there's grace for all of that. It's, it's not knowing. And then, you know, and then mm -hmm. living in the grace, what Jesus came yeah. for, which is you immediately feel condemnation and shame. And then it's like, no, I'm thankful that God opened my eyes to this. And I'm thankful that he's already saved me from all of the guilt that is piled yeah. on me for not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. So when you are saying that you see so much justice in this, I totally get that. And I see the justice, but the things that stuck out to me were the grace. Yeah. So we read Psalm 103 this week, which is that was the one that my family memorized when my mom was dying. And that's the one that has the phrase that says he remembers that we are dust. That has always been meaningful to me. But one of the things that says in there is, the Lord's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us. He has not dealt with our sins as we deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. Mm -hmm. As far as the East is from the West, he's removed our transgressions from us. And then Isaiah 43, maybe another chapter two, calls God the Redeemer a lot. That name for God shows up a few times in, in 43 and I think 44 um, but then in 4325, it says, I, I sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Yes. So just those reminders in the midst of God's justice, he's remembering his promise and just flooding grace. I'm really glad that you said that because I think that I'm using God's justice. That's what I mean is that he makes it all right. He will make it yes. all Right. Like, and that's what I'm seeing all through Psalms, all through Isaiah right. is that he is not missing any of it and he's going yeah. to make it all right, which is why I have this like longing for eternity. Because as I look around, I'm like, this is not all right. <laughs> right. But it's well, and all, one of the things that's that promise. Yeah. He is just, and he will make it all right in a way that's right. um, gracious and merciful and beautiful. I mean, yeah. that's, and that's the picture that we're seeing in, Isaiah is that these are people that go astray constantly and he's just keeps mm -hmm. coming back and saying, but I'm going to make it all right. Even though you don't deserve this. And even though you don't even bring me the bare minimum, this is in fact, Deuteronomy 16, 16, it says all your men must appear before God, your God three times each year at the place he designates. Each man must bring as much as he can manage giving generously in response to the blessings of God, your God. And then in Isaiah 40, 
three verse 22, right before he's before that verse that you mm-hmm. he says, but you didn't pay a bit of attention to me, Jacob. You so quickly tired of me. You wouldn't even bring sheep for offerings and worship. You couldn't be bothered with sacrifices. It wasn't that I asked that much from you. I didn't expect expensive presents, but you didn't even do the minimum. So stingy with me, so close fisted. And then he says, but I, yes, I am the one who takes care of your sins. That's what I do. I don't keep a list of your sins. That's the picture. I see all that's happening. I see how bad it is. I am going to come and mm-hmm. I'm going to make it right. Mm-hmm. Such a- and I have to remember too that the grace that we see is for God's people. That justice mm-hmm. and grace idea, if you're not God's child, it doesn't look the same. When I'm looking at and I'm seeing God's grace, that's how he's making it right for his people is through his grace, but it's just for his people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. His justice looks very different when you're outside of that. I really just love the wording in Isaiah 44 that you were talking about, about the gods. This is long, but it's so funny. Okay. All those. Where are you? Isaiah 44, 9 through 20. All those who make no God idols don't amount to a thing. And what they work so hard at making is nothing. Their little puppet gods see nothing and know nothing. They're total embarrassments. Who would bother making gods that can't do anything, that can't God? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That is fantastic. You can't God. I love that. Like, it's so like... Uh, it's so modern English before. It was yes, I was cool. just going to say it's so modern. It's like, it was, yes, I love that. Was, Eugene Peterson was cool before cool was cool. Before, yeah. Okay. Gods that can't do anything. They can't God. Watch all the no God worshipers hide their faces in shame. Watch the no God makers slink off humiliated when their idols fail them. Get them out here in the open. Make them face God reality. The blas- The blacksmith makes his no God works it over in his forge, hammering it on his anvil. Such hard work. He works away, fatigued with hunger and thirst. The woodworker draws up plans for his no-god, traces it on a block of wood. He shapes it with chisels. The no-god is <laughs> I know. He writes his plans on a block of wood. He shapes it with chisels and planes into human shape, a beautiful woman, a handsome man, ready to be placed in a chapel. He first cuts down a cedar. Or maybe picks out a pine oak. I mean, this is like, it's irony upon irony. Yes. Oh, yeah. Or maybe picks out a pine or oak and lets it grow strong in the forest, nourished by the rain. Then it can serve a double purpose. Part, he uses his firewood for keeping (laughs) warm and baking bread. From the other part, he makes a god that he worships, carves it into a god shape and prays before it. With half, he makes a fire to warm himself and barbecue his supper. He heats his fill and sits back satisfied with his stomach full and his feet warmed by the fire. Ah, this is life. And he still has half left for a God made to its personal design, (laughs) a handy, convenient, no God to worship whenever so inclined. Whenever the need strikes him, he prays to it. Save me. You're my God. Pretty stupid, wouldn't you say? Don't they have eyes in their heads? Are their brains working at all? Doesn't it occur to them to say half of this tree I used for firewood? I baked bread, roasted meat, enjoyed a good meal. And now I've used the rest to make an abominable no God. Here I am praying to a stick of wood. This lover of emptiness of nothing is so out of touch with reality, so far gone that he can't even look at what he's doing. Can't even look at the no God of wood in his hand and say, this is crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. It totally speaks to exactly what you're saying, which is if you don't know God, like you have no, you're not, without the spirit of God, you're not capable, capable of knowing God. Like, yeah, yeah. 
we're just blind morons making and applying it to ourselves, remembering that we can apply this to us right now. We can mm-hmm. either make gods out of our own image using the mm-hmm. things of this world that God created, mm-hmm. whether it be food or whether it be exercise or whether it be shopping or whether whatever it is, we make these gods yeah. and we worship them in place of God, not realizing that they do literally nothing for us. It's not the same, obviously. It's, I mean, it's a different imagery, but it's worthless if we can't apply it it's to ourselves. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. And, and thankfully we have the spirit in us that convicts us and shows us mm-hmm. you're making a God out of this, but the world apart from the spirit of God doesn't have the ability to do that. Yeah. Okay. So this makes me, I'm trying to think through when you read that, when I was listening to you read it, and now that we're talking about it, it sounds like he's talking about people who don't know God, people that are blinded, right? Mm -hmm. Because it says they cannot comprehend, they cannot understand. He has shut their eyes so they cannot see and their minds so they can't understand. But right after that, if you keep going in 21, it says, remember these things, Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant. Israel, you will never be forgotten by me. I've swept away your transgressions like a cloud. This is another one that reminded me of that, the grace aspect. Swept away your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, mm-hmm. for I've redeemed you. After all of that stuff about the wood and how worthless it is, that's what's worshiping God. In verse 23, rejoice heavens, for the Lord has acted. Shout depths of the earth. Break out into singing mountains, forest, and every tree in it. Mm. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and glorifies himself through Israel. So I guess what I'm trying to say is this is a deeper question and requires a lot more study. But when it talks about in verse 18, they don't comprehend and they can't understand and their eyes have been shut. It sounds like he's talking about his people because then he's saying, return to me for I have redeemed you. Right. Well, that's what it, I mean, that's what it goes along with what we were talking about from in Deuteronomy. Moses says, when you go into this land, don't play with their gods and don't be curious. But we find, I mean, we're in Isaiah now. We found that like, this is exactly what they've been. Right. They did. All yeah. throughout history. Yeah. So he's definitely, well, I don't, I shouldn't say he's definitely, but I would not doubt in the least. Yeah. So I guess it's like when, it, when we say, when we're talking about verse 18, I'm just, I'm referring to it in the context of our conversation and how we were talking about how they're spiritually blind without the spirit of God. And then there's the believer who's just like being mindless and not seeing, right. which is what it seems like that's what he's talking about. Right. The people accept that it says he has shut their eyes so they cannot yeah. see. So that's where my hang up is. Yeah. 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 Well, we've kind of covered it all, to be honest. We did. We jumped all around. We went all way out on a tangent. The whole purpose is that this, this all bleeds together, that we see Deuteronomy in Isaiah and we see Psalms in Isaiah and Isaiah in Mm -hmm. Psalms, which is why I I feel like it's so easy to say with confidence that the Holy Spirit was at work all throughout. He was creating the word of God, all that we've been reading. He's in the midst of it, weaving the story. Mm-hmm. making it possible so that we can know the Father and the Son. Yes. Thank you, God. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week. <laughs>